This week's episode is brought to you by salt, a very important condiment for dishes all across history, and also for preserving food and stuff before refrigeration is a thing. Salt, sodium chloride, drips out of every pore of people who lose a chop challenge to Dimension Police, of all things. Salt, the rage that boils inside me will come out, and you will be witness to it. Welcome to Nexus at Night. If you're listening to this the day after the Democratic presidential debates, I can't believe that the Kool-Aid man burst through the wall and won the thing right there. I'm Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm Rupier. And today we are talking about the premium metagame in Cardfight Vanguard, which is a game, apparently, that has a meta to it. Um, yeah? I was, you mean there are better decks to play than others? Weird. I, uh, what about personal preference, Matt? No one, no one ever takes that into account. <laughs> I can never keep that up for also, too long. Also weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the main thing I wanted to talk about was uh, now that Premium Collection has been out for about a month and some change here in the West, uh, and for a longer time in Japan, I wanted to see what uh, the metagame has kind of fallen to since... Uh, we've had the time uh, for the decks to settle. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm also super salty over uh, my performance at the Los Angeles Shop Challenge for premium format, so this is totally not motivated by that. Um, what happened at that? Okay, so I I don't have anything meta right now. I have, in premium, I have Pale Moon, which, uh, yeah, you can do early game stuff, I guess. Great Nature, which no, and uh, Narukami, which is a pet project and is objectively terrible. So, uh, <coughs> I took Pale Moon with me because I thought it would be, uh, you know, have an easier time, I guess, or like be able to pull out some wins mm-hmm. through early game. And round one, I beat Bermuda Triangle. I was like, awesome, I'll be doing good. All right. Yeah, where it started out fine. Second round, I went against <coughs> TT and lost, which I completely understood that. And then third round, I lo- yeah. And then third round, I lost to Dimension Police Break Ride, which uh, whoa, yeah. What year is this? So the guy had Daikaiser and or old Daikaiser, the Break Ride, and then new Daisha, and then he combined that with the new Laurel. So he had an eighty-six K Daisha four with, crit with three guard break cr- with three crit and guard break, and I was like, wait, should it be four? He had, the in- he had the inherent one from Dayusha, the break ride, and then Laurel. Oh, right, four crit. Three extra crit, sorry. Yeah, um, Yeah, three extra crit. Three yeah. extra crit. So I'm like, okay, well, from my experience of playing Matt during our time in college, you kind of just have to throw down the one PG and hope for the best, which I did. And then he got a grade two. I mean... <laughs> what? If he, if he, since he doesn't have the double guard break, two PGs is, like, not bad. I didn't yeah. have two PGs. This was turn three. Um, oh, well, get good and draw two PGs. Exactly. <laughs> so I threw down a PG, and uh, he got a grade three and proceeded to kill me right there. So that put me at X2 and mathematically eliminated me from the top eight, uh, which got me thinking, what makes a healthy meta? Like, the Dimension Police guy was XO going into round four, which is funny. What a godder. I know, what right? That, that is a guy who sticks to mm-hmm. his principles. Shout out to that guy. 
But um, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean that he did well because he didn't get into the top eight. I guess he uh, because it was two separate blocks. So I think he dropped probably did. the last two rounds. Maybe who knows? But um, yeah. it seemed to me that I saw a lot of Neonectar. I saw a lot of Gold Paladin. Um, I saw a lot of Bermuda Triangle, and those were what dominated most of the to- uh, the top eight of that tournament. Half of the top eight for the Los Angeles Downtown LA Shop Challenge was Neonectar. Um, which begs the question, what makes a healthy meta and what makes a diverse meta? And we're going to tackle that question today, and yes, there is a difference. Um, this yeah. also comes on the heels well, of... Sorry, go ahead. Well, you go first. Okay. I was going to say, this also comes on the heels of a pie chart that was uh, released, I guess, from Bushiroad, but it showed a meta breakdown of, I want to say the top eight, I can't read Japanese, um, top eights of major tournaments for both standard and premium. And the pie chart is as follows. So 15.8% of the tops were Gold Paladin, 15.8% were Bermuda, 13.2% was Shadow Paladin, 79 Nubatama, 5.3 Kagro, 5.3 OTT, 5.3 Aquaforce, 5.3 Neonectar, and 26.3 everything else. They just give you a gray blob and they're like man whatever doesn't matter so does this look diverse to you guys i mean like yeah kind of like maybe the tier one decks not as much but we were discussing this kind of privately as we were planning the episode and when we were hashing out all the math we kind of figured something around 10 to 13 percent distribution on the tier one top decks was about right, and then everything else would kind of go on as follows. So, like, based on the math that we were doing, this does seem pretty diverse, right? You have three, like, top tier decks that make up the majority of tops, and then you have a bunch of tier two decks that are kind of the lower end of representation, but still there, and then, like, only barely more than a quarter of the decks is the... Uh, the trash, basically. The trash. That's a harsh. That's a harsh way of putting it, but that's the first word that came to my mind. <laughs> Cries and palement. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, like, objectively speaking, then yeah, this does look pretty diverse. Like, obviously, if we were to take the same pie chart, there's also a breakdown for standard, which is a lot more diverse. It has a much wider range of clans that are viable. Well, yeah, but the, you know, the, the everything else like, portion of that is ten point four percent. To put that in perspective, yeah, even like the highest tier deck, which was Bermuda Triangle, was only twelve point five percent there. So, well, like we had five clans in standard that are about that can be considered like top tier. So, like OTT is that Link Joker? Yeah, it is. I can't tell from just symbol. That, that kind of neutron uh, symbol, Link Joker. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's Angel Feather. It's uh, no, it's OTT Link Joker Royals Narukami Bermuda. Oh, Royals. Okay, Narukami and Bermuda. Yeah, so we have like five really strong top tier decks, and they kind of fall into like ten to thirteen percent range that we had figured out, and then going from about like two to eight percent on all of the like rogue decks and tier two stuff, and then only ten percent of that is like not worth talking about individually. So, like, just in terms of objective numbers, 
the meta is pretty diverse right now, and like going back to our overall topic of diversity versus like a healthy meta, then diversity is a more objective standard, I think, because we can look at pie charts and data like these and figure out objective numbers for how many decks are topping, how many different decks are there, I mean, how many different clans are there. And so once you put all the numbers out in just raw data like this, then you have an objective standard that you can reach for diversity. This is just how many different decks are viable right now, just based on the number of them topping. Mm-hmm. And then with a healthy meta, that's a lot more subjective now because we're getting into things like how diverse are all these different clan strategies how fun is it to play against it's like do people feel oppressed by it which will vary from person to person i have a rant boiling within me the likes of which you've never seen but i'm saving it for later in the episode so please continue (laughs) (laughs) as i try and control the raging beast with within me you know hulk style yeah so like our little internal conversation, we kind of started getting on to, like, why the meta kind of feels bad right now, and we kind of came to the Yu-Gi-Oh! problem, which is that, like, in Yu-Gi-Oh! right now, there's kind of an order to things. Like, first, you kind of need your deck to be powerful, so you need some sort of strong win condition that can finish out the game. And then, once you have a powerful win condition, you have to be consistent, because... Having a win condition is nice and all, but if you need to burn through half your deck to get it, then what good is it? And then finally, it's just, once you're strong and consistent, it's just speed. How quickly can you put that win condition out? And so, we're starting to feel like Vanguard is approaching the Yu-Gi-Oh! problem, where, at least in premium, with the new premium collections, so many things are not GB-restricted, and then, combined with all of the standard support, decks are... Decks have very powerful win conditions that they can bring out very quickly now. And so we're seeing that the top decks are just who's the most consistent and fast. Which is why Gold Paladin is kind of at the top there, is because they can stride on you very early on. They can do it really quickly, so they can do it while, it's just while hard you're to beat them out. Now. Yeah, so it's just really hard to beat them out because they're the fastest. Like, all of the win conditions are about on par in terms of power level now, at least for, like, the upper-tier decks. So, because Gold Paladin gets the- gets theirs out the fastest, they're kind of the top. And then Bermuda Triangle, it's not as fast as Gold Paladin, but it's also very consistent. It has a lot of draw power, and like I said, like, all of the win conditions are kind of equal terms now. So it's just that consistency kind of lets it ride out and into its win condition. It seems to me yeah. that oh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. Uh, the biggest thing that I that I notice about a lot of the decks that are at the top is they have really strong early games. Mm-hmm. Like Gold Paladin, especially I think because of Gold Paladin's like pressure, you kind of have to be doing something. Yeah, like because Gold Paladin's just so insane. The thing with Gold Paladin uh, is that if you uh, if you don't give them damage, they're still going to get a you know a ride off on you because almost everything nothing really counterblasts except for the Spear X and uh, 
Raven Herazel. So you can damage deny them, but they're still going to get superior rides off on you. And now with Excel mm-hmm. 2, the ride minus now becomes a plus because you go, all right, ride Ezel from deck thanks to Kirf. That's a draw. You know, call Wonder Ezel, ride a new Ezel from deck. That's another draw. You know, if you happen to be Richard, shout out to Richard, uh, you draw Wonder Ezel off of that second Excel gift and call another Wonder Ezel. Write a third one from death. You see what I'm getting at, where it's just everything right. meshes mm-hmm. together. So, like, they made the synergy a little too synergistic. Mm hmm. If I may ask, like, what's Shadow Paladin doing for its early game right now? Uh, there's I haven't not really one. been keeping up on. The early game is mm. first stride is so powerful that they don't, uh. they don't care how, like, yeah, I'm at five damage, I'm just going to go into. New Morfessa and kill you because Ritual Ten is laughably easy to get to now. Um, their early mm-hmm. game is mostly just standard early games. So you have the Maka, Charon, Nemen, Swordbreaker mm-hmm. stuff. So which it's is really good. just huh. so it's really just that they can win by first stride. And then Bermuda is you know the new premium collection one that gets a crit for every you know with everything in harmony yada yada yada, mm-hmm. and everything searches everything else. The key here is that you can win first stride. Like, you got to win first stride or get super close to it. Um, yep. Which, so that's the new metric. Instead of, you know, early early to mid-Giera, it was all about, you know, you get to second stride. Your first stride was either just yeah. triple drive or, like, get some resources or something. Your second stride was the killer. Now you have four mm-hmm. turns to make something happen. Then you die. Yeah. Um... The reason Nubatama... It's basically like, the, it's basically like Yu-Gi-Oh! Where much. you make an unbreakable board immediately. Yeah, it's less about negation and more about like how much pressure you can put on the opponent. Um, mm-hmm. The reason Nubatama isn't as big as it is, and I can definitely offer this, is that uh, their first stride is not very powerful unless they G-guarded. If they went first, you strode on them and they G-guarded, then the, you know, the Shiranui Rene turn is... Uh, that's a killer right there, is the plus 15k and a crit, you know, two attacks at a time, and then proceed to kill you thing. Um, I think with Jamio Congo coming out in, uh, English, that's probably gonna get even more crazy, um, and is probably mm-hmm. going to do a lot. I'm not sure what the deal is with Cargo, what new stuff they got. Royals have all the blaster shit. Aquaforce, uh, I think they just have a fast enough early game to keep up with golds. Mm-hmm. And then Neonectar... Jesus Christ, Neonectar. Okay. Neonectar is <laughs> a clan that doesn't make so many attacks that it, uh, you know, it can be stopped by Hanali, and it doesn't, you know, its attacks aren't sm- like, small enough to where you can guard them. In Neonectar, once you're past turn two, every, every guard takes two cards or more, and that includes perfect guards, because you have the guard itself and then the card you're discarding. So basically, Neonectar's you know mm-hmm. columns are so big that every every attack is a battle door still basically without it actually being there mm-hmm. because you go all right shit shit out you know board of tokens do Katarina uh, shout out to Gabe who as cost for Katarina still where you flip anything the new strike he just flips the most shiny expensive looking cards possible as a flex like he literally never goes into anything else. 
Because you just go, all right, attack with, you know, 40k columns, then attack with Katarina, shit out a new board, one of them is Gladiolus, the Ember Clone, attack with one side, then attack with Gladiolus, make a new thing, which makes a new column, then your Vanguard, then the last thing. That's six attacks, and they're all usually over 40k or more. Most of them get up into the 70s or so, and that's that's crazy to me. Um, also, apparently the deck is rather cheap to build, so if anybody mm-hmm. is listening to this rant, they're like, man, I would love to make Atlas sad. Go buy Neonectar shit. That's what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> you are so upset right now. I mean, th- this entire idea for this episode just came from pure salt. Like, <laughs> I could make beef jerky for like a week with the amount of salt that is pouring out of my body right now. <laughs> It's not that I'm mad that like my decks, the deck, the stuff I run isn't meta. I'm mad that the the line between the top tier decks and the road decks seems so gigantic. Because whoever designed think, the, tr- sorry, go ahead. I think a big part of that is like since there's pressure to basically kill people on first stride, the real question is, does your deck have first stride kill potential? If it does, mm-hmm. it's probably good. If it doesn't, it's probably bad. Like. The line between k- k- being able to kill first stride with a reasonable percentage of the time and not is really big, and basically, if you can't cross that threshold, your deck is your deck your deck is going to be substantially worse than the other decks in the metagame. You either have to mm-hmm. keep up with Gold Paladin or survive Gold Paladin. That's right. Everything is measured yeah. by Gold Paladin now. Um, which I is mean, what... I think I do think Gold I do think Gold Paladin is format warping. I think yeah. that is absolutely insane. What makes a format warping like, deck? It really does sound like the the fact that every deck in the metagame has to revolve around this deck. Mm-hmm. Like every time you play a deck in premium, you're thinking about how do I deal with Gold Paladin. I mean, people are also thinking about uh, yeah. Bermudas too. Like that's another thing that people think about. Um, maybe less. Yeah, for so. sure. Yeah. But Gold but, Paladin is just so insane. Yeah. I, even before the premium collection, we remember that one tournament where the majority of tops was Gold Paladin, and then I think the top deck was Mega Colony because they spec themselves out specifically to deal with Gold Paladin. And then it also dealt with uh, the the enigmatic loop, which was mm-hmm. a thing at the time mm-hmm. before they hit it with the ban list, because Mega Colony was made specifically to counter those two. And some people... Uh, yeah. are saying, like, oh, Mega Colony is, like, an acceptable road deck. I don't see it on this fucking pie chart. Um, and that's <laughs> mostly because, you know, you have a decent matchup against Golds and Neonectar because the new Gridora Strike can stop them from calling, but it's, like, whatever. Like, <laughs> it's not, it's too slow. Everything is too slow mm-hmm. or not powerful enough. Um, I was surprised mm-hmm. to not see DIs on this list because they can... Uh, have, you know, numbers heading up into the 70s thanks to uh, the new Gastiel stride, but whatever. I didn't make it for whatever reason. But how do you, but how do you live early? That, I think that's the reason. Um, you kind of just... Yeah. Like, Bermuda can plus for days. Yeah, and then Shadow Paladin, like, as long... Even if they are throwing away a lot of cards to guard, that just kind of gets them to ritual. And then, being a paladin deck, they can kind of build a board from very little. So that's kind of why they're able to survive, I assume. 
I think that's the same deal with royals, too. All three paladins mm-hmm. are uh, represented on this list. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Never mind. That's OTT. Uh, sorry. Yep. Royals was the OTT other one. does have that position yeah. to gain advantage early, too. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I guess the difference comes in is, like, is your deck able to do these things? And that's why I think Gold Paladin is format warping, is because you're kind of, like, always thinking about Gold Paladin. Well, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's either striding while you're on grade two because of Spear X, or uh, having 17 cards in hand and hitting huge numbers, or uh, having five attacks that are all 15k in a crit with Battle Door still, or you know, dominating mm-hmm. your stuff with 15k in a crit twice, or making attacks that are literally unguardable, except for G-guards, except, oh wait, no, you can't <laughs> do that either because of your Shikoshima. And just everything that is good is good in a comical fashion. Yep. I yeah. have I have a theory that whoever designed the cards for premium collection, half of them were designed by I'm guessing somebody who's been possessed by the spirit of Machiavelli himself. And the other half was Gary from HR. And <laughs> the Machiavelli guy was like, Alright, I have a stride that will help bridge the gap between Neonectar's token stuff and the Bloom stuff, where you get a bunch of tokens, and then you turn those tokens into real cards, but I'm not putting any limitation or cost on them, because fuck it. And then Gary from HR comes up, he's like, guys, 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 I have a stride for Murakumo. If you can look at the top seven cards of your deck and put two of them in your hand, if you have them on the field or in your drop zone. Huh? Aren't I awesome? And then they wow, just, same <laughs> name stuff. It's so good. Yeah, but just... I know, right? <laughs> Guys, I have an idea for a stride. It's a pale moon one where you can attack and then stride again, and then this turns into a rear guard, and then you can call over it. And then Gary comes in, and he's like, Guys, guys, I have an idea. It, it can copy the opponent's strides, but they're probably going to be going into the ones from Premium Collection. You know what? That's not a good idea. Oh, fuck it. Well, here's the play, thing, right? You know? Well, here's <laughs> the thing, right? Murakumo cards are just so bad in general that, like, <laughs> be, they just can't live until first stride anymore. They can't, no. Like, they're yeah. going to die by other shit. Like, they have no engines, they have no like, like, they have a fucking loop, and they still can't get there because they have no way to survive to to get there. <laughs> that's what, just like... That's why I brought Pale Moon, because I thought, oh, I have a, you know, a semi-loop with Alice and, uh, you know, Ginny, and then you combine that with Nightmare Doll Leslie to just pressure the opponent, which worked out the first game, and then, uh, the subsequent game against the Neonectar guy, he took two triggers on damage, and I was like, that's it, I'm dead, <laughs> like... Because I can't continue attacking, and then he proceeds to go into Katarina and just, like, mm-hmm. smush my face in the dirt. So, like, contrasting the situation we have now, what do you guys feel was a healthier time in Vanguard's meta? I think the metagame right before the Bermuda set in, in back in G-Arrow was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Really, even with all the Lynch Joker stuff, with, like, Rondo of Chaos and Salvation, and... Oh, no. Well, like, even even the one, like, even the one, like, right before that. Uh, like, GBT when you had, like, Gears and... 
or even I mean it could be a little after that, but even when you had like gears, you had what was it like I don't, I don't remember what else was good at this point. But you, oh. I remember there being like five or six decks that you could reasonably play. Yeah, that was around eleven and twelve, where like Blade Master was still good, Di was good, uh, Ott came back from the dead, uh, Gears was good. I think Night Rose was still viable. I'm not. I can't remember, Barely. but I believe it was. It was like D- Di's were good. Uh, Nubatama was mm-hmm. decent to good. Uh, annoying. Annoying. Yeah. Uh, Narukami had some tools, but I don't think it was super great, but it, it was alright. Um, yeah. But, like, I think just that era where I think the key there was a lot of the uh, cards that came out, most of them had a GB, a GB effect, and then they also had a pre-GB effect. Mm-hmm. And that was a great way to balance it because you had the stuff for the early game, which was whatever, it was fine. And then the GB effects were, like, mm-hmm. pretty solid. And then that combined with a lot more strides yeah. that had to do with, like, resources. It was, like, giving a lot of clans more of a first stride instead of just, mm-hmm. you know, like... Th- they'd given a lot of decks, like, they're, all right, this is your GB3 stride. This is the one that you try and kill it. Now it's the, all right, now, I, you know, bind a few, you know, bind three, call two, back, draw a card. Even though that's from GBT13, but mm-hmm. whatever it stands for me. Um, <laughs> it's... yeah. It, but even like going into that with all of that stuff there, the the meta still felt like pretty diverse. It wasn't until like around fourteen, I think, that we started that things started crashing down. Like I think when we got Shiranui Rene is when. But the, but the there were still kinda... like multiple decks. Like that deck was lame, but it wasn't like the only deck. Mm-hmm. You had five or six. I guess that's the thing. Is like we didn't. I guess we didn't have to feel the need to, like, build around those specific decks. Yeah, you just let Rene happen. You're like, well, this sucks. Yeah. So, a lot of this is just, like, right now, Gold Paladin is so, like, meta-warping that decks have to respond to it. But I think one important point of contrast for that metagame versus the one that they have now in Premium... Mm-hmm. Is that there were like slower decks that were playable. Like Kagura wasn't a fast deck. It yeah. just had like these big gut punching cards that eventually. Like Ziegenberg. And it had enough like Yeah, like Ziegenberg, like the Purge, all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. That eventually you're just punching your opponent in the gut repeatedly. But the problem in premium is like you're never getting to that point where you can just start slamming haymakers because you have to kill them before then. Yeah. So, so how like, does this come uh Go on, go on, sorry. So, the idea is that we had some decks that were faster, and we had some decks that were slower, because the slower decks could st- still had tools to kind of... Like, the faster decks weren't so fast that they just negated the mm-hmm. defensive options the slower decks had. But in premium, mm-hmm. it almost seems like the aggressive decks are so fast that for a lot of decks, they just outpace the defensive options you have available to you. And so, then, and then for the. So how does this compare to? Oh, sorry. One, one more. One more uh, go on, Atlas. I was gonna say for the for the okay. decks that do quote wait longer. Uh, I'm just gonna cite mm-hmm. Bermuda and Neonectar in this particular case. The the haymakers are so gigantic that the amount of cards you see in that early game, unless your name is Gold Paladin, is not enough to guard for you know five forty k attacks. 
You know, shield, shields are only like, what, 15k? You only have four heals in the deck. You only have four PGs. Yeah, you have 10k grade 1s, but like, mm-hmm. it's just not enough. The numbers are too big or too fast. Now I'm done. Just play Rubita. God damn it. <laughs> okay. So, so, like I was trying to ask, like, how do you guys think this compares to another bad meta, which was the time that uh, Gears... Uh, Grand Blue and Royal Paladin were the top three, and it seemed like every top list was just those three trading places. Well, that's another first strike kind of problem, right? Yeah. Where we had just gotten G-Guards, but a lot of decks just didn't have good enough G-Guards to be able to deal with those first strides. Mm-hmm. And it and wasn't then... until several sets later to people even got those defensive options. Yeah, and like at the time, it was like, Time Leap made too much advantage for Stride. Grand Blue, like, depending on variant, Night Rose was kind of the same problem, or Seven Runner was just faster than everything. And then, or you just didn't even get to play the game, yeah. Yeah, and then Blasters was kind of similar to Seven Runner, where they got going too early for you to get going with Stride. So, like... See, but the thing with I don't Seven think Runner we've ever... and Ripples is that... Bushiroad was shown that this deck needed to be th- those two decks needed to be dealt with because they won worlds in a in an era where they were like, "Hey man, we want you to stride," and and everyone else was like, "Nope, fuck you," and it forced them to react. And in this particular case, yes, Gold Paladin is meta warping, but it doesn't look like that. The pie chart mm-hmm. seems just mm-hmm. diverse enough where. They're they're not going to be forced to act. I think aside from people just complaining, but everyone complains about everything. Anybody remember the fucking gear cancer memes that went on for years? Even I've heard people say yeah. call gear chronicle gear cancer, and it's objectively terrible now. Um, but like this pie chart looks good. It looks like a good. Th- it's like uh, the GDP looks good, but the mm-hmm. people aren't happy. You know what I mean? <laughs> And by that I mean, I mean I, I'm particularly unhappy and I therefore speak for everybody because I'm a talking head and that's apparently how that works. So, uh, what did, did you... So, one contrast I can make to a different game is um, Magic's modern right now. So Magic the Gathering format has a... They just had a large modern tournament uh, that had featured most of the best players in the world. Where top eight had seven different decks of various strategies. Mm. Okay. And you might say, oh, is this this meta good? It looks like a healthy meta game if you just snapshot the top eight. Mm-hmm. However, this does not tell the whole story. There's a deck in Modern that is actively broken called Hogak. Hogak so in Magic, you normally have to pay mana for spells, right? Right. So you're yeah. pretty much limited to cast spells by however much mana you have, usually. However, they printed this card that effectively costs zero mana, You is an 8-8 trample, and you can cast it from your graveyard. That's a spell or a creature? It's a creature. So okay. they play a bunch of creatures that come into play for free, and they cast this giant 8-8 on turn two. And a bunch of other nonsense. And if you don't have Graveyard Hate, you are just hopelessly far behind. So you might say, but there were seven decks in the top eight. How good can this deck really be? 
Well, the thing that really tells the story through the weekend is, remember I mentioned Graveyard Hate's very good against this deck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People were playing main deck, very silver bullet Graveyard Hate <laughs> in the highest numbers ever seen. Out of, I think, 400 and some odd players, maybe a little bit more, there were over 800 copies of this card called Leyline of the Void, which says, and if a card we put into your opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. It's Macrocosmos. I remember They were playing Macrocosmos. main deck four copies of Macrocosmos. <laughs> and this deck still made top eight and still overperformed. So, so you say, you can say that the format looks healthy in a snapshot because there were seven distinct decks in the top eight. <laughs> but when you look at what cards people were playing, the entire format revolved around beating this deck. And it's still mm -hmm. overperformed. Hmm. So, like, Gold Paladin is our equivalent of this deck right now, where it is the top deck in the meta, but everyone also has to play around it. But you also don't really have any... You don't have any silver bullets for golds. There's no, like... You know, the, the there's no tripping mechanics. There's no, like, oh, you can't... Like, I play this equip card. Like, yeah. Vanguard doesn't have any spells, so it's just... You're cl the only thing you can really do against golds is play Hanali, which is objectively a good card to run because a lot of decks multi-attack. Makes sense. That said... It's good in... What? It's specifically good in, like, decks like Bermuda, too. Yeah, anything that can call it uh, mid-battle phase, especially, off of G-guards, is super nice. Mm -hmm. But... Mm -hmm. um, it's you're running that for multi-attack decks, but that's not a specific, you know, specifically for Gold Paladin necessarily. There's not really anything you can do for Gold Paladin. Mm -hmm. It's you have to hope you go first and hope they just don't draw that many Wonder Ezels. <laughs> that's kind of all you can do. I'm not saying this turns into a dice roll format, but I'm saying that your chances of winning are significantly diminished. Gold Paladin players are running less copies of Grade Two. So that if they don't find Bowmain, which is their key to the superior riding of their grade 3, they will G-assist for it just to get the superior ride. It's that good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, if we can pivot a little bit, like, how do you think about Standard right now? Because I know prior to this, people were kind of complaining that Standard felt a bit stale, but... Like, right now, we can see, at least in Japan, things are really diverse, and, like, do you think that this is also healthy, or do you think it's a very similar problem to uh, Premium right now, where, like, even though Bermuda uh, is only about 12% of the meta, that it's meta-defining? I think that's less true, but mm. what is defining is decks that are newer, rather mm. than decks that were out before. Why? Because like, you have uh, Link Joker and Narukami having new waves of stuff. Right, and like, Markumo was no, no longer playable because they haven't had support in forever. Mm -hmm. And then, like, decks that just don't get support just aren't aren't playable. Mm -hmm. So, like, Standard does have more, uh, like, play, like, I think, different decks that are good. Mm -hmm. But it is, the problem being that, uh, I think a lot, the people's biggest gripe with Standard is that they think it's boring. Yeah. I mean, it's a slower pace of gameplay. That just comes down to personal preference, which is ironic because I just made fun of that at the beginning of the podcast, but <laughs> uh, 
it's I think to me standard is fun in a different way in that you have to more think about what cards you have versus like more of the skill is done in the playing rather than the deck building as opposed to mm-hmm. premium where mm-hmm. your the deck building is the key. Uh I do think that uh standard looks healthy right now, but I think a large part of that can be attributed to gift twos. Gift twos breathed life into a lot of decks that were hurting. Um any Excel deck that uh you know had just couldn't really like get the cards needed to prosecute. Now Excel two allows you to draw cards so that you can do that. And, you know, mm-hmm. force decks where you have big numbers but not much to it, now you have force two. And protect, you have, I don't know, you, you can do protect two against stuff, I guess. <laughs> um, but why? <laughs> there's not really any reason to except for, like, X versus Excel. That's kind of it. Um, Man, I, force two is so funny. I want to force two, some nerd. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's pretty fun to watch, honestly. Uh... Yeah, I, I don't know. Standard seems fine to me. Versus, well, like, compare Excel 2 where, like, ooh, you get a card, you can keep up your offense, versus Gold Paladin mm-hmm. where it's, I'm going to get four of these in a turn and draw four cards. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. I mean, that might, yeah. just, that might just sound like, ooh, premium's scary because you get to do more stuff, but just, that's not what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so... I guess the last thing we can talk about is what would you do to fix the premium meta? Uh, ban the original Ki- Crimson Light Cub Kirf as starter. That would go a long way into, like... Gold Paladin wouldn't be killed not by a long shot. You still have the new Kirf, and you still have the ability of uh, the new Ezel to, like, Soul Blast the Kirf and ride it. Um, you still have Wonder Ezel to do all that crazy stuff. Um, I don't know if Richard would agree with me, but I think that would go the longest way to helping the format at least be a little more diverse in, in that, like, you're not trying to keep up with that metric anymore. You can play right. slower strategies. Mm-hmm. Bermuda Triangle, I have no idea what you would do against that. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to start with hitting Gold Paladin. Yeah. Like, once mm-hmm. you hit Gold Paladin, you can then kind of, like, take a step back, see what falls out. But I think you have to start at Gold Paladin. Okay. And then, this is just like a minor comment, but James, when we were talking about it, our friend James felt that because we're allowing all of the standard stuff into premium, that it just continues to speed up the early game as we get stronger and stronger standard support. So, like, what do you think about that in terms of premium? Like, what's it gonna do? Or? Yeah, like, like, what do you think about like that statement in general and like if you think that that's actually bad for the meadow like what would your solution be i don't think that the early game increasing pace is necessarily bad the part Mm -hmm. that's bad about gold paladin is they're effectively cheating like Mm. it's a deck that kind of breaks the rules right like you like they just start the game like they can start the game on grade three while you're in grade one and be starting when you're on grade two like this kind of breaks the rules which is kind of what makes the deck really good. Like, if you're playing a fighting game, characters who break the rules are just generally really good. Because you're like, oh, that's fucking dumb. I'll use this character forever. So this is the fair <laughs> versus unfair <laughs> thing, where unfair cards win games? I mean, yeah, basically. Like, the card is just ridiculous. Like, 
like you, you play gold paladin to play these cards because they're absolutely fucking busted. Mm-hmm. And like I think you said, but I do think you have to start at gold paladin. Where you go from there, I don't know. Maybe you have to touch on OTT. Maybe you have to touch on Bermuda. I'm not sure. But I think OTT is kind of the next thing I'd look at. Um, I think OTT is like the new the new Ichikushima stride drives me crazy because you switch between your G guards don't work and your PGs don't work, or no G guards, no zeros. Pick one, and they just switch between those two until you're dead. Um, and it's not like I would ban one of the Ichikushimas or something, but maybe like limit mm-hmm. Silent Tom. That's the best thing I can think of. Or put him at two. I don't really have a good answer to that otherwise. Yeah, it's it's difficult. Okay. There's not like a clear answer, which is, I think is also what makes it hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I I think you just have to start somewhere. Yes, for sure. I I, I really think objectively they should hit the old Kirf. That should be the first thing to go, and then pick it up from there. It'd be interesting if instead yeah. of waiting, what was it they do? Like every six months, they'll uh, they'll think about stuff. Or, or they're like, we're doing a, a ban list inquiry, and they're like, nope, nothing changed. Like, Why even <laughs> tell us then? There's an episode in the archive somewhere you can go listen to it if you want, where we just yeah, make that was fun pretty, of them. That was, that was pretty frustrating, especially when there were things that clearly needed to change. Yes. Yeah. We're like, oh shit, they're finally going to do it. Nope, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think yeah. they need to uh, do a premium collection once a year, and I think they really need to take a look at what last year's was and plan accordingly. Get Gary from HR to design the OTT and the Gold Paladin and the Neonectar stuff next year and get Machiavelli to design the Murakumo stuff. Just flip-flop it <laughs> once every year. Yeah, Machiavelli and Gary from HR are their characters now. You, whatever, it's a thing. Um, yeah, so that, I think puts the question to you, the listener, what do you think they need to change, and do you think that this format is diverse or healthy, or neither? You can do that by going to the internets and tweeting at us. First, you guys. How do they find you? You can find me, you can find me at Wiggums2Gs2Zs on Twitter. You can find me at Plasma Eclipse. You can find me personally at Atlas Novak on Twitter or Instagram, and you can find this program on Twitter at Nexus at Night. You can also find us on Instagram, but we barely put anything up there. The last thing I put up was uh, a friend, uh, our friend Omar from college, made his own custom force markers, which are admittedly pretty cool. I'd go check them out. Um, oh, they look sweet. I know, right? <laughs> he was telling me how to. Omar's do it. a I'm weird like, guy. He but... is a weird guy. Shout out to Omar. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, until <laughs> next time, I was Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm Root Beer. And have a good night, everybody. <laughs>